Um, I, I, I feel like we went off on a bit of a tangent here. Maybe one of you guys can get me back on track here. Yeah, I want to hit a few things. You alluded to one of them, which was that the Rangers ended the Island, not the Islanders, the Devils' um, eleven-game win streak on the road, um, uh, which is was kind of similar to what the Bruins had going at home. Uh, so that was one of them. I also wanted to hit on the fact that Ovechkin um, hit the 800 mark tonight. He had a hat trick. Um, he is now in the 800 club with Gordy Howe and Wayne Gretzky. Um, I haven't had a chance to go back cause we were obviously at the Bruins and then driving home and then doing this, but, um, I haven't had a chance to go back and watch the goals, but, um, that's a huge accomplishment for him and something that we are keeping an eye on today. Yeah. I saw, I saw the 800 goal and it was like, a it's just kind of a mad scramble in front and puck popped out to him with like a wide open net. Everyone's can just kind of scrambling around, but um, yeah, I mean, one behind Gordy Howe now for second all time. So, you know, he'll pass him within the next week or so. And then it's just Gretzky ahead of him. And he, right now he's 94 ahead. Um, You know, so you, you do that out. It's like, that's potentially next year, two to three seasons from now, or, you know, Alex Ovechkin will play to how, when did, Gordy Howe eventually retire. He'll play that 50s. long. If he, if, yeah. Gordy <laughs> yeah. Howe played into his 50s. <laughs> yeah, which is insane. But I feel like Alex Ovechkin will do that to pass Gretzky. Cool. Like, he will just stick it out until he passes Well, him. Scott, Scott, <laughs> Scott, you mentioned, like, two or three years. I mean, like, so it's December. If I mean, if Ovechkin finishes this campaign with, like, another, like, 35 goals, what would that make, like, Another like a 55 goal campaign next year or something like that. I mean, it's possible he can make it next year, but in all likelihood, you're right. It would be the year after next, but easily, but it, it, it's possible next year too. It, it really just depends. Yeah. I mean, that'd be impressive, but like, I don't know. He did, he just have 50 goals last year, right? He wasn't last year, another 50 goal season for him. So yeah, I mean, I think he's on pace for like 40, 48 something like that this year mm-hmm. but yeah it, it, it's definitely not like i don't put anything past him so i think um, he'll pass it i think do you guys do you guys think he's being taken for do you guys think that in the moment his presence in the league is being a little bit taken for granted for because we're so used to it but what we're witnessing with him is eventually the greatest goal scorer the league has ever seen yeah, I mean, certainly like era adjusted for him to do it for as long as he's had and to lead the league in goals as many times as he had, as he has. Like, it's it's crazy. I mean, you know, you go like Gretzky, obviously just incredible numbers, but also in a much higher scoring era. We know his assist record will and points record will never be touched. Um, but just talking strictly about goal scoring, like, you error adjusted and Ovechkin, I would say like already has the more impressive career and certainly will if, and when he passes Gretzky, you know, Mike bossy ran extremely hot for, you know, basically a decade, but didn't quite have the longevity. And that was, you know, definitely injury related. Phil Esposito was great for, you know, I think he led the league in scoring what six times. Um, But again, not quite the longevity of, dominating the way Ovechkin had, you know, going on what this is year 18 for him. I think like it's, 
and he's still one of the best goal scorers in the league. Like it's just insane. I think just the fact that him and Crosby came into the league at really similar times and have been so good for so long and just so consistent. Yeah, sometimes I feel like it is taken for granted. There was a point in time where they were both in their like what you'd call their primes um, and that, you know, it was just back and forth between the two of them. And, and they were, that was hyped up a lot more than it is now, but they've, they've had long careers and, and they've, they still, you know, impress um, even into their thirties now that they're, they're kind of a little bit out of their primes now, but I don't want to spend too much time on each of these. So I will move on to the next one. Uh, Mitch Marner on a 23 game point streak. Um, we, we referenced how Toronto has been playing, but um, just impressive. Yeah. What? So I'm going to like immediately zag. What's really impressing me with Toronto is the defense and goaltending that they're getting. Um, like they're winning with that, which is incredible. They're, they're middle of the pack in five on five offense, but they're second behind the Bruins in five on five defense. Um, you know, their, their goaltending plan was largely mocked and Ilya Samson. I believe you might've been one of them. Yep. I, I, I was, <laughs> I, I will eat crow by the way. Like it could still go sideways, but so far Ilya Samsonov and Matt Murray have both been awesome for them. And they're, they're getting some of the best goaltending in the league. Like it's, um, it's pretty crazy. And they've had some injuries on defense and have still been a pretty good defensive team. And, you know, obviously we know they have offensive skills. So like we know those guys, you, you mentioned Marner, the incredible streak he's on. Austin Matthews got off to a little bit of a slow start, but it has been picking it up. Um, so like that's still there, but like they're, they actually are winning in different ways, which is something that they haven't done in the past. So whether that eventually translates to like actual playoff success or, or even, you know, one series win still remains to be seen. I think everyone's still gonna have to see that before they actually buy into it. But I, they do seem like a more well-rounded team than they've been um, in the past. Marner aside, I uh, personally, I think that this is the year that Toronto makes it past the first round. And look, I understand. I understand it's, uh, you know, there's going to be people out there to say it every year to kind of sit there and say, well, when they finally win. Oh, see, I told you. I told you this was the year. Um, I just think that you're down Muzzin. You're down Riley. I think they were down Brody for quite a bit. I think that if the if the Maple Leafs see, I'm I'm forecasting who they're going to play in the springtime, right? If they play them, if they play uh, Tampa Bay, I think there's not a better time to get Tampa Bay than this year in the playoffs, and that goes for anybody. Um, I just think that you know they took them to seven games last year, and if you look back at that game seven last year, there was a there was a goal that John Tavares had where he. he all uh, Charlie Coyle was just protecting the puck down low beneath the goal line, brought it out uh, over the top of the right-hand circle, got to the left-hand circle, shot one past uh, Vasilevsky, and then the refs called an interference call on on uh, on what's what's Hall's first name? Hall's first name in Toronto, Justin. Justin Hall. Yeah, they called they called like a pick play on him, um, which was. In a game seven was borderline at best. Regardless, kept the game one nothing Tampa. Toronto eventually ties it, but they lose. R- whatever. That game could have gone either way. 
I think this year, I think Tampa lost a couple of key guys. And I think that Toronto, I just think that if they were to play Tampa again this year, and don't forget, they were in Tampa with a 3-2 series lead in overtime. I would I would bet on, I know they haven't won shit. I would bet on Toronto to win that series this year. And if by some reason Toronto surpasses the Bruins, I would probably take Toronto over whoever the wild card one or two team would be. So um, look, that's the conversation for a different day. I do think Toronto will find a way to win one series this year. I'm not going to go to two or beyond for now. Um, but as far well, as then you, then, then, then you get Bruins Leafs in the second round, uh, and take, not, the, not the first round for once. And, and then I take the Bruins in three, yeah. um, <laughs> as, as far as the first round, I will be, uh, I'll be, a an adoptive Ontario native for, for a second here. And I'm going to say that I, I have faith in that. This is the year that Toronto goes past the first round. That said, I am impressed by their ability. If we're going to talk about the Bruins ability to overcome McAvoy's early injury and Grizzlick's early injury, Marshan's early injury, but let's keep it to the back end. Like Toronto's done a great job. And, um, you know, monitor aside, like to be without your top two defensemen and at times your top three is really impressive. So, um, hats off to them for sure. To finish out that, just that the thoughts on Toronto, um, right now they're, they have two games. They're two, two more games in the Bruins, but they're only three points behind the Bruins in, in the standings right now. And when you think about how hot the Bruins have been, how many points they've racked up in such a, like in this amount of time, you're thinking, okay, well they're, you know, they're better than every team, but then you look and then there's, there's Toronto on their heels and they're not, they're not falling behind. They're sticking right with the Bruins. Um, the Bruins play them again at Toronto in February, and then they play them in April in Boston. So that game could be interesting, the April game, um, because it comes the second to last week of the season. Uh, if there's contention over that first spot, I wonder if you see the teams resting as much as um, maybe they would be resting uh, otherwise so that that could be an interesting game at the end of the season yeah it's kind of it's kind of crazy like how long we go between these matchups like even like that game in toronto earlier this year it it, it was like a it was a bit of an off night for the bruins you know credit to the leafs but um you know we, like the bruins are on this stretch now where it's like you face Tampa a couple times, you get four games against Colorado and Vegas. And it's like, wait, when do they play Toronto again? Like months from now. And, you know, and then like towards the very end of the season, um, you know, this is where it's like, I wish, I wish the schedule was just a little less balanced. Like I want, I want four games, two home, two road against all the division opponents. Like, yeah. Three three games against a division opponent, especially a rival like Toronto, it's it just doesn't feel like enough. So to switch to another quick one, um, Gary Bettman was talking a little bit. He wrote a nice article about himself about he's how he's been with the NHL for thirty years. Um, but <laughs> he referenced that it's expected the cap to rise a million dollars next year. It won't be announced officially till June, so the off season. But just throwing that out there, the salary cap's going to go up a million dollars um, next season. Yeah, well, bad news for the Bruins because initially, the there was thought that it was going to go up more than that. And you know, you're talking about a Bruins team that's already going to be tight against the cap. 
potentially have bonus overages for Bergeron and Krejci. Um, you know, you hope a new Pasternak deal. Like Bruins are going to be pretty pretty up against it cap wise. You know, that'll be a conversation for for down the road for us for sure. But I guess as it relates to the president, like when we talk about you know what's going on with Pasternak negotiations. I do wonder if like part of that is the Bruins front office waiting to get more clarity on what the cap's going to look like going forward. And it's like, okay, if it's only going to go up by a million, does that mean they're, you know, they're trying to like keep Pasternak's salary down a little, or they don't want to stretch as far. Whereas if it went up 3 million, maybe, you know, they're willing to go a little further for him. Like, I don't know. I, I don't think it's, the cap only going up a million is good news for the owners who are just greedy and want to save money wherever they can. Uh, but I would say bad news for every general manager across the league, because we already see this year, like how hamstrung so many teams are in terms of making moves or even, you know, I mean, look like how many, how many pretty good players have like passed through waivers, even from the Bruins, the guys they've waived simply because teams don't have enough cap space to like add these guys. Um, and going up a million dollars won't drastically change that. Like you're, you're going to have just as many teams that are, that are up against it and just not able to do much. Brian, do you have any thoughts on that? Or can I move to Ryan Reynolds potentially buying the senators? <laughs> uh, no, I think, I think, um, I think Scott said what I would have said. Um, you can move on to uh, to Ryan. So Ottawa Senators ownership is changing um, because of the death of their owner. Um, and there's been a lot of meetings with different people um, that are interested in buying the Ottawa Senators franchise. So um, one of them is Ryan Reynolds. And he apparently had a meeting with the NHL and Gary Bettman. And so the reporting was that he's quote unquote impressed them. And Ryan Reynolds, if you haven't seen it recently bought a soccer team out in England. Um, and so he's kind of gotten into the game of, of buying uh, a different sports uh, sporting club. So uh, just kind of interesting. He's Canadian. Uh, he's got plenty of money. So just kind of funny that maybe he could buy the auto senators. But. Uh Maybe Scott can answer this, but I wonder what his proposal would have been to buy the auto senator. Maybe, him, <laughs> maybe, maybe he and uh, Sandra Bullock have something going on there. For oh, they, Brian, of course, getting in the girly movie reference. <laughs> All right, one more thing. On, Scott's it, was getting... funny. it was funny. So, Bridget, before you, before you touch on the last topic that Scott um, mentioned in our chat, because I, I did want to propose this question to you guys regarding this question were you going to talk about Taves yeah okay yeah so so I want to circle back on what my um my potential concern with this Bruins team would be um and it's it's not that I am concerned I want to pose it to you guys to see if and again this is probably a conversation for whatever it is like early March when the trade deadline comes and goes but my concern with the Bruins is and I don't want people to misconstrue this like, oh, Brian wouldn't take Patrick Kane on this team or Jonathan Taves. It's not that. I'm just saying, like, are you guys – my concern with the Bruins team is that at some point in time, the Bruins might add 
because they feel like they have to because this is the all or nothing year. And my concern with this Bruins team as it currently stands right now without talking about injuries is that they add at some point and it potentially messes with the chemistry that they have and that has gotten them to this point. Do you guys share that or do you feel like, no, there are certain players that just don't even worry about that? I, I honestly haven't thought too much into the future about that. If we're being honest, like I feel like the team that they have now, obviously when you're a contender, you don't like you're a buyer, you're not a seller. Um, no one's saying that they're anywhere near selling at the deadline, but it's kind of, a, they're stuck in a weird situation with the cap. Buy, buying, might- buying, buying at the deadline. Oh, you mean other team is selling at the deadline. Other I'm saying they're, they're, they're not close to, to selling at the deadline, but how much they're going to be able to to buy and add at the deadline seems to be, you know, really closely tied to the salary situation. So once again, we're having the conversation about, do you want to try to dump salary before then? Do you want to make a deal for someone where you're, you know, trying to unload someone, but you're probably going to have to retain some of their salary. Like it's, it's going to be tricky for them at this deadline. Well, I may, I, I may have buried the lead and I'll, Scott, I'm going to throw it to you right now, but I may have buried the lead, but like the Bruins have been linked to Patrick. Yeah. Kane so that's, that's what I was just going to mention. So this, this season. yeah. So this comes So David Pagnotta of the fourth period uh, posted something. I think it was on Tuesday. Uh, basically an update of like where things stand with Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves. And he was saying the two of them, they, they have the same agent um, are going to meet with Blackhawks management, like sometime after the turn of the new year um, or maybe like around the all-star break, but basically in plenty of time ahead of the trade deadline to figure out what they want to do, what the team wants to do um, because both of them are on the final years of their uh you know, massive contracts. They both have 10 and 10 and a half million dollar cap hits. Um, and, you know, he listed a bunch of teams that are interested in Kane, but then mentioned the Bruins and Avalanche as two that have checked in on tapes. Basically like, didn't say, you know, they're in negotiations or they've made an offer or anything like that, but basically said like they, they asked about him, like, you know, check, checked in on what's going on with Taves. Um, you know, it's, to Bridget's point, like if the Bruins are going to add anything, especially, you know, now Chicago can retain up to half of their salaries. And in for Taves in particular, where like he, you know, it's been a while since he's been the kind of player who's worth anything close to ten and a half million dollars. Um, that's going to be a necessity for them. Like they have to retain 50 percent right off the bat. Um the Bruins would still have to free up some money and I haven't done all the cap gymnastics, nor do I really plan to anytime soon because it's a headache, but they're, we'll they would have to free up money to even take on half of it. So yeah. So someone would have to be going out and whether that's, you know, we know all the, the usual suspects, Riley Smith, potentially even someone else. Like it's, it would be tough to do. Um, I don't think it's especially realistic to me. I think they're going to be more in a position to add depth and Jonathan Taves is not depth. Jonathan Taves is uh, 
you know, a big salary who's going to be expected to play big minutes. Yeah, and... by the way, where do you slot him in? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Does it mean Coil gets bumped over to wing? Like, is that what happens? I, it's, I, I get, so I've seen some people bring up the possibility of like, well, would the thinking there be that, you know, say Bergeron and Krejci hang it up after the season? What if Tate still has a couple years left and you sign him, you know, to like a two-year extension or something and like at least he's a bridge center? Um I don't know. Like to me, that's it, it does. It creates a log jam for this season. I don't know that he's even a number one center anymore, yeah, it, if I'm being completely honest. Um that long term situation makes it interesting. It that that's what makes it more interesting to me because the the thinking that goes into it, like, okay, someone's someone's gonna get Taze. Um they don't know necessarily if they're going to be able to get a number one center or, or what the situation at center is going to be. The fact that it, it's still up in the air, who's going to retire at Bergeron Krejci, the fact that, you know, that they, they have a question mark coming up in the off season at center makes it more interesting paying attention to whether or not they, they want to target Taze. So, so Scott and Bridget, I, I know, I know it's late. So I guess, I guess let me just pose a question to you guys and you can keep it a one word answer if you want. And, and we'll, you know, for this episode, at least. So the prospect of them adding this year to this group, does it concern you? Yes or no? Do you, do you want them to mess with what they've created or like, are you open to it? Depending on who it is. Let's, let's talk about somebody like Kane. Cause that's been named or t- like with some, would adding somebody like Tane, Kane or Taves, concern you about messing with the mojo i guess is the best question i can ask um like not really but i just don't think i i just don't think that adding someone that not necessarily even just that big of a name but that big of a cap hit someone who's gonna cost that much to get to me doesn't seem realistic I, i mean look if they've made a phone call and they've checked in, then obviously I guess there's at least some level of interest there, but I just struggle to see how they're going to make that happen. Like they've already struggled to move out salary. And so now, now at some point you're going to be able to do that closer to the deadline and then find a, you know, a way to make a trade that makes sense to get Taves like it or Kane, even though, you know, Pagnata didn't link them to Kane, but I assume if you're picking up the phone and you're talking, like, why would you not ask about both? Well, what do you um, think the ask would be? I mean, Kane probably still fetches like an actual legitimate return, which by the way, I'm not sure he's totally worth that anymore. He's not, he's having a good season points wise, but like he just straight up does not play defense. Like the Blackhawks are getting smoked when he's on the ice, just giving up a ton of, chances and goals um and i mean taves i don't know in terms of like picks or prospects might actually be cheaper just because this cap it is like so unpalatable for what he is now which is mm-hmm. you know more of like a two or three center than a one so he might not be super expensive which might be why the bruins are more interested i don't know but is he um, he's on an expiring contract this year yeah so 
Yeah. So then you don't have to, I was going to say, if he had another year left on his deal, then that would be different because you're obviously, if you're the Bruins and you want to extend him, you know, to make him part of the future without Bergeron or Krejci say, you're able to not have this, what's ended up being a, a contract that didn't age well, be part of, you know, determining what you ha- can do with the cap next year. They can obviously um, adjust that more to what he is bringing now than when he signed the, that original deal with Chicago. And, and, and Scott, just to clarify the, the Patrick Kane rumors, that was just speculation from Kevin Paul DuPont, right? That was nothing verified. That was just speculation, right? That, that was just like, you I, know, I believe balls. so. Yeah. yeah. I don't, yeah. I don't think we've seen anything resembling an actual report that's linked. Yeah. The Bruins to Kane. Yeah. It was, it was more subjective uh, rhetoric. It wasn't anything reported. I don't think, um, but yeah. the, the, the Tave stuff may have been slightly reported, but uh, in any event, I was just curious to see if you guys, how you guys felt about that prospect. And, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that in depth as the year goes on, but uh, because it was brought up, I was, I don't want, want to get your thoughts on, on uh, if that would interrupt their, their, their chemistry at all for you guys. Um, did you guys have anything else before we uh, wrap this up? No, I was just gonna say like to, to me, just depth makes more sense, whether that's, a seventh defenseman, you know, six seventh defenseman, because you never have too many D. And Jacob Zaboral hasn't been great when he's had to play, and we don't know what's happening with Strawman or whether he's gonna, you know, be able to be a contributor to this team. Um, maybe it's you know fourth line type depth. You know, perhaps at some point, like you're still not sold on Smith, and you know maybe Greer's star fades a little, like. That to me seems much more likely than adding, you know, a Patrick Kane or a Jonathan Taves, which just really seems like a pipe dream. Yeah, but it's it's such a fun pipe dream, though. Like, can you like there was no point in time when the black when like Jonathan Taves was in his prime and and the the Chicago Blackhawks were Stanley Cup contenders, and that I ever thought that Taves would there would be a chance Taves would come to Boston, and I just that's a super team. Like, obviously he's not as he's not the same as he used to be, but that's like, you're looking at a Burns team the way they are. Plus Jonathan Taze, that's a super team. Um, that's the luck to, to teams playing that. Will they be able to pull it off? Probably not cap wise. Um, and you, you know, for other reasons, maybe, but it's just fun to imagine for a second. So that's why, that's why we talk about it. Well, a good a good depth guy on defense. I know Zaboro's a lefty, but uh, Luke Shen's going to be out there. I'm sure Vancouver will uh, offer his services up to somebody. So, I mean, somebody like Luke Shen could be a great guy, like for depth, like Scott's talking about. Guys, been there, done that, big body. I know he's a right shot defenseman, but maybe maybe a move like that's more appropriate for this team. I, I know there's a lot of pressure on the Bruins because of their expectations and and the the timeline of certain players to kind of go big or go home. Sometimes the best moves that are made are the ones that aren't made. So. We have plenty of time to discuss the not it. trading Jake DeBrusque move. He that could be an example. Very well could be. By the so, way, I, I tweeted this tonight. Jake DeBrusque now is on pace for 32 goals and 32 assists this season. 64 points. That would be 21 more than his previous career high. Scott, didn't that go up though? Since you tweeted that, didn't he have another assist? Um yeah, he did. So make it 32 goals, 33 assists. <laughs> you think you, you think you think that goal in Vegas meant a lot sure. to him? What you guys you, you guys think that goal in Vegas meant a lot to him? 
Yeah, that game when we go right in front of Bruce. Yeah, he was he was pretty pumped about that one. But, That's the uh, only one he cared about. <laughs> anyway, so um, so that wraps it up for this episode. Um, as we've talked about, the Bruins beat the Islanders four three in a shootout. Uh, their next game against is against the Kings, which the the their game against the Kings last year at the Garden was a it was I think they came out on a losing end uh, in overtime. I believe the Bruins did, but it was a very very entertaining game. Um, the Kings are, uh, they're no slouch. Um, they're an up and coming team. I was told too that tickets are like 45 bucks. So if you're listening to this, uh, you might want to hop on and, and grab those tickets. Yep. No, no, the Kings, uh, the Kings have a lot to, uh, they have a bright future. I know they had a huge, they had, they had a pretty good window there in the early, uh, 2010s and they kind of dropped off of it, but I think, and Scott, maybe you can correct me, but I think they have one of the better, ranked prospect systems in the league. So yeah, uh, that's, that's starting sure. to, that's starting to come uh, to fruition and it'll be a big challenge for the Bruins. So um, that'll wrap it up for this episode. We thank you all for listening and we will talk to you soon.